lane, 15, 10, touchdown, Chargers! What a day. Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly, as always, joined by Matt Money-Smith. Taping this late Thursday night, hours after the Jim Harbaugh introductory press conference. Buddy, it was a landmark day in Chargers history, specifically here in Los Angeles. Um, With a personality as large as Jim Harbaugh, you had to go big. Chargers went big at YouTube Theater, and what a spectacle it was for an hour plus. And I know you spoke to to Jim on uh, Bet Just Some Money afterwards. We did, yeah, which is why we're doing this late. Had a, a three to seven radio show, and Coach was was kind enough to give us about fifteen minutes in the the three o'clock hour, and he was great. And we used to talk to Coach quite regularly when he was at Stanford. He would come on a lot, recognized, and this is someone who who understands uh, availability and opportunity. And you know, we have a pretty popular show here in Southern California, and he he used us as a recruiting tool, and and we used you know him as an entertaining guest, and so thankfully it kind of I think remembered that, and sort of remembered talking to us. We had a great time, and that's I think you saw that in the presser, you know, with when when John Spanos got up there and said he remembered a conversation they had twenty some years ago when Coach yeah. was at at San Diego, and I think that's there there is something to that. There is something to recognizing, and we've talked about this. Um, recognizing that there are so many opportunities around you and somebody's title or station in life may not represent the opportunity that they present to, to helping you better yourself or your situation. And, and certainly coach um, seems to be somebody that, that is very cognizant of that. Hence his, his recollection of, of John simply telling him that he thought he ran a great practice. And that that meant a lot to him because nobody in the NFL or, or in the pro you know circles had ever said that to him. So I think that just one little moment spoke to kind of what you know how he's wired and and why um, why players play so hard for him, and and that's really what separates him from so many other coaches. Yeah, you know, money walking into that YouTube theater this morning. Seeing the Harbaugh-isms everywhere, it it, it just yeah. felt like just something completely new and different and exciting for the Chargers organization and the fans. And uh, there's so many moments throughout the press conference. I'm sure we can put our heads together and, and knock most of them out. There, there was just yeah. just funny, funny things, and I think things that that get you hyped up. I, I especially thought that uh, that Dean Spanos. Uh, the owner, Dean Spanos, right from the beginning, kind of explaining um, the, the process and why Jim Harbaugh is here today and um, how happy he is for Chargers fans and basically telling Jim, whatever you need, whatever resource that will require us to win, we're going to provide you. And uh, y- you can tell that the Jim has a personal connection with the Chargers. He mentioned all the the, the stops that he's had, and there's always been a personal connection. He referenced the Spanos. Obviously, playing for the San Diego Chargers meant a great deal to him. And it just seemed like the stars aligned. And just throughout that hour press conference, you could feel his energy. And he, he knows that he's in the right place for him to do what he ultimately wants to do, and that's bring a Lombardi to Los Angeles. Yeah, look, the the Chargers' two most disappointing seasons in, in Los Angeles have produced superstars. You know, the one produced Justin Herbert, 
with the sixth overall pick and and this five and Good 12 point. season produced, you know, Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, th- th- a lot of times that's, that's the thing about the NFL is sometimes you have to take your lumps. You have to fail in, in order to, to catch a break and, and turn things around. And I, you know, I don't say I'm happy that Brandon Staley failed. You know, we would have all liked to have had a successful season. The amount of money that the Spanos has spent, the, the amount of effort the players put into it, I would much rather, you know, been talking about a playoff run. And here we are, you know, maybe making a run at, at Super Bowl in Las Vegas. But the, in terms of a long-term solution, you said it, it's, like I've been, I've been in this market doing radio since 1994, and it's the most impressive press conference I've ever seen by a coach. Um, there, there have been bigger, you know, when when Shaq was was signed by Jerry, when Jerry West and Shaq, you know, took to the to the dais, that was pretty incredible because sure. Jerry West is simply the greatest executive in the history of professional sports, and you know, Shaq was fun loving, you know, was the best player in basketball at the time. And I just remember how special that was, but for just a, a coach, you know, the Phil Jackson one was pretty impressive in 98 or in uh, 99, I believe it was the first time he was here. The second time was just marred with a lot of, you know, you wrote this book and and you trashed Kobe. Why are you, there was a lot of that. Um, and it just kind of gave it a little bit of a negative tone, but I kind of set all that up with, Jim Harbaugh is a superstar. He is a coaching superstar. He is in the conversation. I know the championships don't number the same, but when Joe Torre was brought in by the Dodgers, when Phil Jackson was brought in by the Lakers, people didn't want Pete Carroll. He, it, it, was, it was panned as a hire when he was first hired at USC. Um, Chip Kelly had already had incredible failures in Philadelphia and San Francisco when he was brought to UCLA. So, here is someone coming off a national championship who had won at every stop, who, like you said, Chris, has the ability to have these sayings, these Harbaugh-isms plastered all over the theater and, and carries weight and gravity when he walks into a room. And I thought it could not have gone any better. There was such a great balance of storytelling, of enthusiasm and inspiration, self-deprecation, humility, you know, uh, relatables, acknowledging his family and how important they've been through this whole process. There's just so much to it that that really, I think almost anyone could connect with and feel really good about going forward. Like, wow, we're hitching our wagon to this. This is this going to be a fun ride. Yeah, he he's the brand, right? He he's the brand, and everybody's getting behind him. And it's not about just the quarterback or the star edge rusher or defensive player it's about the team and it he stressed team 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 and you know buddy i think one of my favorite parts was the beginning when him and jim hill were calling each other's legends for like six to ten seconds it was hilarious and that that just kind of set the tone for what jim harbaugh is going to provide to a city and a fan base like I swear I felt like today was a game day. Like what it was a 1 p.m. kickoff, but the kickoff was the Jim Harbaugh press conference. Like fans were yeah. treating today like a game day. And and I just I, I think it's so cool to see uh just kind of what this organization and what this fan base has has kind of morphed into and uh where this team is going under this head coach. Now 
you know, there's a lot of answers that we didn't get today because there's staff logistics and logistics and, and different things that are just going to have to sort themselves out over the next month. You know, you always kind of look for tells and, and things that, you know, maybe you can kind of read between the lines. I'm like, how many players is he going to mention on this current roster? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Justin. He mentioned Derwin and Keenan last Sunday. He mentioned him again. He mentioned Rashawn Slater. I think he said he met Trey Pipkins and his dad in the airport, which was cool. So, like, that, those are the only players that I think that he mentioned. Yeah. But he said he contacted everybody on the team or everybody that's probably expected to be on the team. Um, so, so now here comes the staff questions. And um, Joe Hortiz, who I, I got to meet briefly, uh, an awesome guy, by all indications, and just the, the working relationship that he and Jim are going to have. Uh, another one of my favorite sayings was just like, hey, during the offseason, I'm Robin. Joe's Batman. And then we're going to flip. That's what we talked about. During the season. I'm going to be yeah. Batman. He's going to be Robin. And and it, it seems like that, that's how it's going to be. Uh, and it, it, it seems like that marriage is going to work really, really well when you consider the, the type of players that – Ortiz has scouted based on what the Ravens do. And uh, it's just, it's another piece to this puzzle. We'll hear more from Joe on Tuesday, uh, but today was Jim's day. Look, there's, I don't know how much you want to take away. It's um, the one thing I did appreciate is it did seem like it was a a little more stream of consciousness. It wasn't, it definitely wasn't produced. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't, I've got, I've got my goals and I've got my checklists and, you know, it's it's look, it's the Tony Robbins school of, of motivational speaking that that when you say someone's name back to them, they feel more important. And we see that regularly. And I find it to be a bit annoying and patronizing in the case of like it really sort of, you know, it warmed your heart a little bit when he did it with Plashke and Jim, because they're the only two that deserve that. You know, yeah. they're they're the ones that have been here for 40 years. And for someone who has spent his entire coaching career, save with his alma mater. We're talking about the Oakland Raiders, San Diego Toreros, Stanford Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers, and now Los Angeles Chargers played for the San Diego Chargers. Like he knows, like that's sincere. That's I, and you know, he, you know how much he loves sports. You know, you, you, you hear him talk about it. So, you know, yes, he's watched Jim Hill on channel two. He's been interviewed by Jim. He remembers those. He's, he's read Bill Plaschke. He's been interviewed by Bill Plaschke. He appreciates. And I think, you know, they, that, and that means a lot to those guys, because when you get to their age and, and you've been doing it this long to know that, you know, here's someone that just won the national championship, tip his cap. It's cool. And it's, 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 and, and I think, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said a second ago. I'm trying to figure out what's what's the secret sauce. What is it? What how why does it you have to football players are tough. The idea when people are like, oh, he's soft. No, you put that outfit on and you are tough because you are willing to subject yourself to a level of violence that ninety nine point nine percent of you know humanity is not willing to do. We see what it looks like. It's a car crash after every game. We see how these guys are wrapped in ice and what their fingers look like and you know, but somehow he gets him to play tougher and it's how, what is it? How does he do it? And I think you saw so much of that in the press conference today. I'm responsible. 
I need to be responsible for Justin Herbert. He's putting Derwin James is putting all this effort in. I owe it to him. I owe it to him because he's putting the work in to be the best coach I can be. And that's, that's how it works. You, now, now it's like your parents, you know, like you, the, the worst that you can get them yell at you and you just roll your eyes. Yeah, right, here it comes again. But when they say, you know, I'm really disappointed in you, like that crushes you. It tears your guts out. And I think that's, that's what he's able to do. Hey, we're in this together. I'm in it with you. We're the coaches, you know, Ben Herbert, we're all in this. Let's go get it together and not let each other down. And I think that's somehow he's able to tap into to that better than almost anyone else and get every last drop of effort out of these guys. And that's 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 why you get almost every player reaching out to you and, and Quentin Johnston saying, I'm gonna have a breakout year. I'm I can't wait, coach. Can't wait to get to work. Like that's it's not someone who's hiding because he had a bit of a struggle in his first year and is hoping, hey, let's just forget about it and I'll show up at, you know, any camp and we'll get going. No, reaching out. Hey, man, let's go. Let's get to work. I'm going to have a breakout year. Let's get this thing going. And that's it's, it's hard, man. It's hard to do because these guys make a lot of money and it's a hell of a way to make a living. And, and to get them to push a little bit harder, man, it just says a lot about leader that, you know, the leader that you get. Yeah. Like we said, it, it starts with him, but you and I have discussed – uh, how much beyond it's just Jim Harbaugh, right? Like Ben Herbert, this name that you mentioned, JJ Watt uh, was on Pat McAfee talking about him as his strength coach at Wisconsin and just like how he's a game changer. It, to have somebody like that, we're hearing the name Jesse Minter as a defensive coordinator potentially. Um, these are guys that that, that are proven uh, commodities, you know, at least at the college level. And, you know, you're only as good as your staff. I mean, it, when you look around the league and you see like, oh, that guy got a head coaching job. Well, you know what? They had confidence in the guy, but they also had confidence in the staff that he's going to bring along with them. And uh, I think that's one of the things that we're really going to see take shape here over the next couple of weeks is, is what is Jim Harbaugh's staff going to look like and how will that dictate who they acquire in free agency who do they let go because of cap issues and who do they draft? Uh, and just the whole Joe Hortiz element to this, we can dig into more next week after we hear from him. But, you know, that's, that's the other part for me, money is just uh, all the, all the resources like this brand new practice facility. Like these are yeah. all winning edges um, that, that this organization has now that goes beyond just Jim Harbaugh. No doubt. Um, when you mentioned he joined us, he gave us about 15 minutes on Petros and money today. And, and I brought up, we brought up uh, Ben Herbert and, and the JJ Watt thing. And of course, because he's just, you know, so good at it, he started out by saying, oh yeah, JJ came over to me and I got all excited. I was at the game and I was like, oh cool. JJ's going to have a conversation with me. And he, all he said to me was, Hey, coach, tell coach Herb. I said, Hey, guy's amazing. <laughs> he's like, that's it. That's all I got <laughs> from, from JJ really was humiliating and humbling. Um, but then he said, the guy's incredible. He's like, I, he goes, I don't know how best I can put it into words, but I, I, if he, if we walked out on the pier right now and there's shark infested waters and he said, Hey, I'm jumping in, follow me. I wouldn't hesitate. I jump in. He goes, there's something about that guy that, that, that people follow and they, they, they subscribe to his plan and, and it's a hell of a plan. Uh, he said, I'd follow him to hell and back. <laughs> he, uh, so that's what you're getting in, in, in your strength and conditioning coach. You mentioned Minter, you know, like you said, it's not official, but it sounds like that's what's going to happen. You know, 
he and he and Mike McDonald traded places and swapped places and were together here and, and you're here and I'm there and and you saw what Mike McDonald did to that Chiefs offense in the second half. Shut him out. Yep. Shut him out. And that's the style of defense that that you're gonna be playing. Um gotta have the players. Baltimore's got the players. They got Roquan and Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton and you know, Matabike and and that whole crew. So they've they've got the 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 horses. You know, whether or not, like you said, there's going to be some staff and some player decisions that are going to have to be made. I don't know how that's going to look, but it's going to be an impressive staff. And like you said, it's the financial commitment. And, and, you know, I think we brought this up on the pod, but, you know, Ben Herbert's got a million dollar buyout. Jim Harbaugh's got a million and a half. And I think Jesse Minter has 800 grand. It's going to be $3.3 million in a check written to Michigan just to take those guys. And you're talking about a quarter of a billion dollar facility. I don't know how much the shop vac was that he had to pick up at, at Home Depot, maybe another 80 bucks. <laughs> but I loved that he name checked Fred, cracked me up and said, Hey, Fred, come on. He looked over buy some Fred. equipment. Yeah. Yeah. The best. Which is, uh, which is great. And I think that's part of it. You know, that's part of why this was the job, Chris, is it's such a blank canvas. It's a brand new facility that he gets to build the weight room how he wants it the training rooms, all that stuff. You know, it's like when you buy a model home and you get, yeah, yeah, here's the here's the structure, but you get to pick out the tile, the cabinets, the floor, you know, all the flooring, the fixtures. That's like, that's what he gets to do. He's, he's going to, he's like, we got to get this stuff ordered, man. We got to go get this equipment ordered. And I, and that's the, like you said, there, you know, when you talked about what, about Dean Spanos, you know, and how he got the thing started, you know, there were two things when it comes to to Dean that jumped out. One is when when Jim Harbaugh said, you know, I, I told him I'm hungry, and he said I'm starving to get a win. So yeah. that's one, you know. And what do you do when you starve? You overeat. You, know, you end up buying, you know, two different combo meals at McDonald's. The next thing you know, you got two cheeseburgers and a Big Mac in your belly because you haven't eaten all day. Like when you're starving, it's like, what do you need? Let's go. Let's just, and then I loved the line that, that he used to get it started when, you know, Dean pointed out, yeah, you know, we, we got, you know, it was snowing when I, when I talked to you on the tarmac in Michigan and it's, it's, you know, now we got a storm here and he's like, no, we're the storm. Like that's when you're like, okay, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. This is what we're talking about. So the idea of, of, we're not just hiring this guy and, you know, according to reports, he's the second highest paid head coach in the league, but, you're hiring the guy that's bringing in the staff and all the other stuff that comes with it. And that number gets real big, real fast. If you want to commit to winning a Super Bowl, and it sounds like everybody is in with both feet. All right, guys, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft surface, the official sideline technology provider and laptop of the NFL and the Los Angeles chargers that provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field. Check out the powerful Surface Pro 9, combining the power of a laptop with the flexibility of a tablet at Surface.com. His track record of turning programs around early, it's evident everywhere he's gone. Now, obviously no promises made because, you know, year one, uh, you may have to reset at at some different positions. You still have the Kansas City Chiefs in the division. Uh, It's a loaded AFC. Um, but just the the direction that they're going to put this thing and, and how quickly they're going to set it into motion, I think that's what has fans so excited. Money and it, you know, I, I was talking to somebody before the press conference just about 
sports in Los Angeles. And, you know, you and I both worked uh, for the Lakers around the same time. I've always said this to, to folks, especially when I was on the partnership side, it's, it's always going to be the Lakers and the Dodgers in Los Angeles. It's just how it is. Uh, they have the, the equity of winning and the longevity here. Um, but think about all the stars in this town. Shohei Otani now with the Dodgers, LeBron James, you know, Sean McVay is probably a top three head coach in the NFL. Uh, USC, Caleb Williams coming off a Heisman Trophy and, and Lincoln Riley trying to bring that, that program back to prominence. Um, you know, the, the UCLA and, and USC women's hoops teams. I mean, there's sports is at a premium in Los Angeles, but if you don't win, it doesn't matter very much. And, and, and the Chargers took, just took the front page. You know, when you when you take Jim Harbaugh, who just won a national championship, everybody's going to want to see this guy. Everybody's going to want to hear what he has to say. So not only are you investing in a in a coach and a leader and a winner and somebody that you hope will bring you a Super Bowl, but he's going to keep you relevant 365 days a year by what he says, by how he he goes about his job. Um you know, the, I guarantee you the primetime schedule in 2024 is going to reflect that. Um, it, it's just a, a lot of things that go beyond just winning that Jim Harbaugh provides to this organization now. You know, I'll, there, I know I brought it up before, but I'll, I'll use two. I'll use two to, to create the parallel. Uh, one, where the city where I was born and lived in until I was 17. Uh, I've been here for 33 years now. So uh, in Chicago, bro, you look 33, by the way, you look 33 money. Okay. You look 33, 50. So I've been here 33 years. I was in Chicago for 17 growing up there. It's a bears town. The bears won the super bowl when I was 10. Um, But it's a bears town. It is. It's uh, that's the team that makes the town go behind the bears. um, You know, back then it was kind of the Cubs, you know, they were the lovable losers. And then after that, you'd get the Blackhawks, maybe a little bit of White Sox. And the Chicago Bulls were the dregs, the absolute dregs. Um, my, you know, we, I, we grew up, we didn't have a lot of money. My Uncle Frank did, and he would flip us. He had the season tickets for the Blackhawks, for the Bear. You know, he was the one rich kind of brother in the family. And, and he would flip my mom that the bulls tickets because nobody wanted them. And so my brother and I would every now and then maybe three times a year, two, three times get to go to the Chicago stadium and watch Dave Corzine trip over his own feet, cokehead Quentin Daly running around like a psycho, you know, get excited about Orlando. Nobody cared. I mean, when I say nobody cared, nobody, those places were empty. The highlight of the game was making a napkin boat by getting a napkin and twirling the corners and then dropping it off the balcony and watching it float down. So uh, that's how we would entertain ourselves. And what happens? You know, Michael Jordan gets drafted in 84 and the rest is history. Becomes the number two team in town. And for a while, they're number one team in town ahead of the Bears. The other one is the Patriots. They were moving to St. Louis. They were moving to St. Louis. Victor Kayyem had them sold to a group that was headed up by Walter Payton. That's why he retired early. And he was taking that team to replace the Cardinals after they left for Arizona in St. Louis. It was done. That is how much of an afterthought that franchise was in a Red Sox Celtics town. 
They could not survive. But the clause in the contract allowed Robert Kraft to match any deal and buy Gillette Stadium. He did it. He hires, you know, Bill Parcells, gets the Drew Bledsoe thing going. After that, he brings in Bill Belichick, goes next. And even then they were like, eh, still the Patriots, you know. But then you get Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Are Where do they fit? You know, where, where are they? And you talk to Boston sports fans, I can promise you, if they're under the age of 35, they're probably number one. It can happen. I know it's a Laker and a, and a Dodger town. I totally know that. And it sounds foolish to think the Chargers could possibly dig into that type of fan base, generational fan bases with so many championships. But like, that's why it was such an, like, that's one of the things about the presser that was so impressive is he knows, like he gets it. He's not saying he's going to get a Super Bowl. He's like, in this town, you got to win more than one. Like we have to win multiple Super Bowls. He knows, he gets it. One's not going to do it. We know it. Look at the Rams. They won one and people stopped caring the next year. No, you need to win multiple. You need to build a juggernaut. You need to build the Patriots, you know, to be able to crack and into what is an almost impenetrable wall that is the Lakers and Dodgers. And, and I think he recognizes that. He feels like he's got the horse to do it with and Justin Herbert and and the ownership to back him up with everything they're, they're you know, with all the, the stuff that they're investing in right now. And and, and I think he sees that. I, I, I would be very surprised. He played for the Bears, you know, in the 90s, right at the peak of the Bulls. He was there right as their ascension began. He was the Bears quarterback in 1990-91 when they, when they won that first one. Yeah. I, I'm actually uh, – I'm almost done with the, the Wickersham book. Uh, it's better to be feared about just the, the Patriots dynasty. Yeah. And how you alluded to the fact that that, that team, A, almost got moved. And w- when Kraft bought the team, you know, he, he, had, he brought in Pete Carroll. He really won right. a Belichick. He took a flyer on Belichick, who you know was like almost like radioactive in in coaching circles because of what happened in Cleveland, and then you know they draft Tom Brady, and the and the rest is history. You win yeah. three Super Bowls off the top. Um, you have what I still think is the greatest team in NFL history, the team that lost to the Giants in Super yeah. Bowl Forty Two. I mean, but the the fact that it can change with a coach and a quarterback. And that leads me to the quarterback who he called the crown jewel. Mm-hmm. And I think the relationship that they have money, the, the biggest winner today was Justin Herbert. You know, the fact that this guy's going to be his head coach and Justin is not going to have that pressure to just be the guy for everybody on in this organization. It's going to be, that's going to be on Jim Harbaugh's shoulders and he wants it on his shoulders. Um, yeah. What what Justin and Jim Harbaugh can do together and how he can protect Justin Herbert. He talked about a physical offensive line, protecting the quarterback, having a solid running game. I mean, these are things that we have not been used to seeing around the charges the last few years. How they shape this offense, how they pack a running game, and how they, I think, develop uh, a physical, tough offensive line um, we're, we're going to probably see that take shape during free agency, obviously the draft, and just further developing the guys on this roster, man. To, yeah, to me, there's a, there's a few hints in there, right, for the upcoming 
draft and, and how you're going to build this team. You know, he pointed out that it's the only position that everybody else is dependent on the, the offensive line, the offensive line can't protect your quarterback. Quarterback can't operate. Running backs can't find holes to run through. Wide receivers aren't going to get into their routes and, and be able to, you know, have a pass thrown their way. That's how the, the offensive line is that important. They make the entire thing go. And then he pointed out and defense can't score. He can't win. So it's, it, it's a lot of stuff that we alluded to like, yeah, there's going to be some impressive wide receivers sitting there at five and Brock Bowers is there at five. And, and, you know, look, they may go that direction, but it wouldn't to me, like it's wouldn't surprise me if it's a tackle because that offensive line, like it's where he, he said, it's where it starts. We've got it. We got to protect that guy because he touches the ball every single play. He yeah. has got to be protected. Priority number one, protect that guy. Run the ball to protect him. Wide receivers block so the running back can run the ball. So play action works and he's protected. Offensive line has got to protect him. So there's that. And and defense, like I said, hey, what did he say? He said, it's not offense, defense, special teams. It's we fence. We fence. That's what this is. We fence. <laughs> and, and I think that, to me, that set the tone of, yeah, there's some shiny toys there. There's Brock Bowers and there's Roma Dunze and there's Malik Neighbors. But if you can't protect that guy, you know, with Joe Alt or, or one of these other tackles, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the back is, who the wide receiver is, because he's not quarterback's not protected. So that's where it all starts. And I think that was and, – and look, that's, that's how he won at Michigan, right? You know, by having the best offensive line in the nation, by having the best defense in the nation, and by wearing you down and, and winning games on toughness and, and watching attrition take hold of your opponent while you're able to thrive. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's not, it's, it's not Lincoln Riley, spread them out, throw it all over the place, score 60 points a game. It's not Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. It's much different, much different. It is, it, it's submission, attrition, physicality. It's a, it, it's, I think that's, and I think it's exciting that, that he's going to, you know, that, that he sees Justin and that's what his first thought is. It's not, oh, wow, this dude's got an incredible arm and we got Keenan Allen and all these toys and Quentin and I'm going to go get a receiver at five and he's going to throw. No, guy needs to be protected. Yeah, We got to protect that guy. And that's his first thought. And I think that sort of speaks to how he intends to play football. And having, having the, the fifth overall pick, the possibilities are limitless in terms of trading back. You're hearing all, the, you're hearing all these teams that want to move up to get a quarterback right now. Um, if, if something happens where Marvin Harrison and, you know, Adunze or, or another player gets picked before five and there's a quarterback sitting there at five for a team, who's to say that this team doesn't trade back, get that offensive lineman, get that tight end? Uh, you know, and then, you know, just the, the player development aspect of this money with the guys that are currently on the roster, like hearing Quentin Johnson, like kind of re-energize going into his second year, thinking he can have a breakout year under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I mean, those are the things that you want to see. Uh, the, yeah. the guys who were drafted last year that, you know, who, who knows if they were drafted for a specific type of defense or a specific type of offense that they, that they were running under Brandon Staley. Uh, can, can Jim Harbaugh, 
and Ben Herbert and whoever the DC or the OC is for this team, can they squeeze every bit of potential out of the guys that are currently on this roster? Um, I, I think that that's something that you you've seen throughout Jim Harbaugh's uh, just coaching career. It's just getting the most out of the players on right. that roster. So going beyond free agency in the draft, the players that are under contract here, um, the, the guys who were maybe undrafted free agents or late round picks over the last couple of years, can they develop into something that Jim Harbaugh could be proud of on either side of the football? And I think the answer is yes. You know, he's, he's done it. He's done it at Michigan. He did it at Stanford. You know, he put guys in the NFL at Stanford, you know, yeah. and, and he's putting a lot of guys into the NFL in Michigan. And look, there it's Michigan. It's a blue blood. But I, that, that's why we've talked about Stanford so much. It's just one of the most incredible coaching jobs that you'll ever see because of the type of institution it is, the grades you have to have to get in there, the style of football they got those kids to play who, you know, aren't, I'm just trying to, to survive and, and change the fortune of my family that that's, you know, had generation after generation of, you know, no education. And we've been stuck in this particular lot in life. And this is our opportunity and my opportunity to pull on. It's, it's not a lot of those kids. <laughs> it's, it's 4.5 students that are getting engineered. Andrew Luck getting an architecture degree and going out there and getting his head caved in on Saturdays and being willing to submit to that. Like that's what he created there. So like that's, it's the developmental process and creating JJ, you know, and helping to develop JJ McCarthy into a first round pick. Like it's that that's, and I think that's what you're speaking to, right? That just because you may have some preconceived notions about what these players are because of the last two or three years that they've been on this roster, that does not mean that a new coaching staff can't help you know, turn players that had grades that saw them get drafted in the third round. And if the Chargers didn't take them, another team probably would. So much, look, football is the ultimate circumstance sport that so much of your success is predicated on circumstance. What if Tom Brady wasn't drafted by the Patriots? What if he was drafted in the sixth round by another team that had no interest in giving him a right to an open competition and a chance to show that even though I got this sixth round grade and I'm not a very impressive you know, athlete, I'm still going to be the best quarterback in the history. Like it's circumstance. It's, it's the fact that the chargers were in the playoffs with a 10 win team last year, had a 27 to nothing lead on the Jaguars, blew it. That led to a coach getting fired after an unthinkable 63 point output by a Raiders offense that had scored zero the week before led to a firing. And now we're sitting here talking about Jim Harbaugh. Like it's just, it's such a weird sport that way. That, that that so much hinges on the right people being connected at the right time. And this just feels different. It yeah. feels, it feels like it's all lined up and, and what that means for Thule and Dayon and who knows, maybe, maybe Kenneth Murray, even though they didn't Possibly. pick up his fifth year option and, and coach, you know, if it's Jesse Minner saying, Oh no, we can work with that, you know, and, and maybe JT Woods, you know, Aloy's a free agent. Maybe there's something there. Guy had six interceptions in a season. Let's figure it out. But, you know, there's there's a lot to there, – look, they, he said it, right? He's like, we got a lot of work to do. We're going to be busy. It's You know, starts with the staff and don't know what it's going to look like on the offensive side. Looks like defense is Jesse Minner. We know what strength and conditioning is. 
Not sure about special teams, but that's, you know, that's what's going to get sorted out here in the next week or two. And, and then next thing you know, we'll be out at the combine the end of February, getting excited about all those players as we get closer to the, to the draft. And, you know, and then you blink your eyes and it's, it's April and we're, we're in the draft. That's the thing that, you know, Chargers Weekly, we do this every Thursday all year round. We're, we're always yeah. engaged, but but this this part of the season just, it means that much more for for the fans of the Chargers too. The, the You know, the, the combine, when you have a top five pick, a brand new coach and a brand new GM, man, the, the combine is fun. Like it, it's sure. uh, the, the possibilities and the talk about the team and what they're going to do in free agency and, um the the possibilities at, at five or early in the second round. I mean, we're going to be talking about so many things over the next couple of weeks, this staff coming together, um, some of the decisions that they're going to have to make from a cap perspective, um, you know, looking at the free agents after the franchise tags get uh, all uh, hashed out, like who's a good fit for this defense, the offensive line. I mean, it, it, it's going to make this off season so much fun, man. I, I yeah. know that, you know, Jim went an hour today and he had like so many fun little, you know, anecdotes and stuff about his brother. He was talking about his daughter has a mantra. The whole Harbaugh family yeah. has a mantra, man. It, it, it was just, it was fun to listen to him. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we say, you know, we, we've done two pods this week. I think next week yeah. will be a big one in terms of just seeing the staff and, and, and really kind of digging in to what, uh, the identity is going to be offensively and defensively and kind of the history of some of the guys who are going to be on their staff. Well, here's all I'll do because we don't, we don't, because typically I'm wrong about everything. I just, I, to me, the presser, <laughs> Chris, I just feel like it, it's sort of validated everything we've been talking about for the last month. You know, yeah. who are the Jim Harbaugh players? They're the ones he mentioned. Rashawn Slater, Derwin James, Justin Herbert, like the, it was so obvious. It's like that, you know, we talked about everybody saying, oh, they're just going to, you know, Jim Harbaugh is going to take control of everything and it's going to end badly like Belichick. We said, no, it's probably going to be Joe in the offseason and Jim in the in the regular season. What did he say today? He'll be Batman. I'll be Rob. I mean, it's there's that like we, we talked about. Yeah, enough with the the conversation about the, the, the Spanos is not spending money. And what did he say? He's like, yeah, they're, they're in that you don't, you know, you don't, you don't hire Jim Harbaugh and then go cheap. That's <laughs> not the way it works. You know, the guy's going to make reportedly 16 million bucks a year and they're going to spend a fortune on his staff and on whatever he needs. So it's, it's kind of like all the, all the things, all the shots that were taken, are just getting swatted away one after another, you know, that, that, that's sort of the, the feeling that I got at that presser today. There's look, there are, there are older coaches that are taking on the job retirement that are resting on their laurels and they'll take that check and they don't care. They don't care if it negatively affects their record. It's like, whatever, I'm making a ton of money and I'm going to get these last couple checks here because it's generational wealth. That is not Jim Harbaugh. This dude loves coaching football and he is the most competitive coach in the NFL. And now that he is back and I just, you know, I think, I think you felt that, you know, it, like you said, his daughter has the, the, the work together, win together. Like it's yeah. just in there. We got to put that on a shirt. Let's get that on a shirt. 
Yeah. It's like he said, he's like, how lucky am I that I was born into this family? He's like, that's just luck that I'm a Harbaugh and I get, and I get all of this, you know, and, and that's it. That's what that family is. Jack and Jackie, John and, and, and Jim and my God, I mean, even their brother-in-law, Tom Crean's a psycho competitor, you know, like that's just, it's what they are. And so we're, we're the beneficiaries now, you know, now we get to be the lucky ones and look, is it going to result in multiple Super Bowls? I hope so. It's not easy. His brother, John can tell you that been the most maybe consistent winner in the AFC for the last 20 years. And they got one Super Bowl appearance and win to show for it. Yeah. It is not easy. You know, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs maybe lead you to believe that it is. It's not what they're doing is incredible. And, and, Really, as great as Tom Brady and the Patriots were, this six-year run has been insane that they are on. And part of me is happy that they're back there instead of the Ravens, so Jim Harbaugh can end it. So he can, so it can, it can be the Chargers and Harbaugh that puts an end to it. So that's it. That's all it, I got. The the foundation has now been laid, and, and I I just think it's going to be a program that the entire fan base can get behind. Win, lose, in different tough times. You know, adversity is going to strike every team every year. There's going to be stuff. You know, we live in this prison of the moment, 24-hour news cycle, where it's like, man, you're only as good as your last win or your last week. Um, but just to see everything that has been kind of poured into this and how hungry ownership and the fan base, and and, and I think the players too now, like, to, to have a guy, buddy, there's just, last thing for me is like, there's just something to be said about a guy who played quarterback in the NFL, who has been through what the players go through on, on, a, on a weekly basis, right. on, on a daily basis, getting your body prepared to play the next week. When your leader has done that at a level that most people can only dream of being at, I mean, you, you got a guy that you can get behind, that you can you know work hard for, um, and, and and it just goes beyond yourself. And again, like you said, it, it could be. I mean, it's not motivational, sappy stuff. When he says all these things, like man, you better believe that he believes it. Like he he had one phrase too. He's like, when people say "Have a nice day," I don't like that. No, no make it a great yeah. day. Make it a great. You know, right. Don't not. I don't want to leave it to chance. I don't want to leave it to. And you better believe right. he says this to his team every single day and he makes sure that the eye on the prize is is the team and and that's what i think just has, has given fans goosebumps like the, the the last month thinking that this could be a possibility and i'm just happy for all of our listeners and viewers watching this that uh that they can go to bed tonight and feel good about their football team and and just a fun off season ahead i think yeah i it's perfectly put and i don't, I don't have much to add i would just I would just say this, and I think it's kind of going back to what I said about the Ravens and, and how hard it is to, to win a championship in this league. But the, the one thing that I, I feel has been very frustrating for the fan base these last few years is, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this without you know taking a shot. I'm not trying to do that. But you, all, you know, very, very common in coaching circles, you know, what is preached is the result is the result. You can't control that. Weird yeah. things happen. Don't get hung up on the result. Get hung up on the process. You know, put yourself in a position to win 
the contest, whether that's a sporting contest or the game of life, but whatever it is that you are putting and pouring yourself into, respect and honor the process and give it everything you've got. And then whatever the result may be, so be it. That's okay. Wins, yeah. loss. You know what? We were in it and we did everything we could to win that game. I feel like the last couple of years, that's not how the fans felt. I think you you would walk out of some of those games saying, how are, how are we not ready for that? How did they let that team do that to them? How did you come out of halftime and that's what you had? Like, I felt like there was too much of that, that maybe that, that that what that almost and not that you're cheating the system or that you think somehow oh I stole the answer key and that's how we're going to win this that 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 hard work wasn't you know like I said I don't mean to take I just feel like that's that was sort of that that level of frustration that came along with so many of those losses the way games were lost you felt like ah how did how, how did that happen how did we not see that coming yeah. And it was just repeatedly, DJ had the best line. He's like, this team gets hit by the right hand more than any in all of football. How do they keep getting, how do they, they know the right hand's coming yeah. and they still get hit by it. And I think that's, that's never going to happen again. I can tell you that right now, not with this guy as head coach. It'll be a team that is ready for every contest that fights their ass off in every contest. And the results, they're not going to win every game. They may not win more games than they lose next year, depending on how they decide to approach this this upcoming season with with you know with players and and salaries. But you know that when they take the field, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rock fight, and the other team is not gonna want to take part. They're gonna loathe that they're about to take part in the next sixty minutes. And I think that's something you can get excited about and be proud to say, yeah, "I'm a fan of this team, and I'm excited about what's gonna happen here today." Yeah. Well said, man. We'll end it there. Uh, time to clock out for the night uh we'll be back next week uh i'm sure a ton to talk about uh joe hortiz's press conferences on tuesday we'll dissect that and i'm sure by by this time next week buddy we'll know a lot more about maybe some of the staff and some of the other things going on around the league that that may affect the team no doubt all right guys uh for money i'm chris this has been chargers weekly have a great night 